Hello and welcome back. This is episode seven of the Oh No No podcast. I'm your host today, Robbie Weir, and we're in the, the post-postponement territory after the game against Arbroath, as we expected, and as we're all breathe a sigh of relief that uh, the game was called off. So I'm joined today um, by a few recurring faces now. Um, firstly up, we've got the man who left the one-star TripAdvisor review of the, the Rins of Galloway after he got lost there. I had to go and Google search what that peninsula was called. Uh, Duncan Cameron, how are you doing? I'm, I'm very well, mate, very well. Just a bit dry though. That's great. That's fantastic. Secondly, we're joined by a man who does trips to Japan. He's fluent in German, and now I'm suspicious that he's on MI6's payroll. Uh, Mr. Leslie Mabin, how are you doing, Leslie? Magnificent, never better. Excellent, that's great to hear. And then finally, we've got a man that can talk both about Simon Mensing and uh, Dmitry Mendeleev. It's uh, <laughs> Mr. Blair Hopcroft. How are you doing, Blair? Loving that, mate. Yeah, good, thanks. I, I, I did have to, to write down the pronunciation for that as well. Uh, <laughs> if you don't know, that's the man who created the first ever periodic table. So now you've been educated. So yeah, uh, yesterday... Saturday's game got uh, postponed, as was expected. So what did everyone else get up to on their, their day three of football? Start with you, Duncan. Um, I listened to episode six of the Oh No 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 podcast, Robbie. I thought that was the uh, the thing that any right-minded Wraith Rovers fan would do. As you should be doing. As you should be doing. Uh, Blair, how about for you? Um, DIY. For me, it was a, a horrific Saturday, to be honest. Really missed it. <laughs> And uh, Leslie, were you just travelling as usual? I was wandering around the Tate Gallery, paying very little attention to the paintings and periodically checking the updates to see Dundee United put another goal past Bartik. Ah, that's better than me. I was uh, I was very hungover. I went out and saw my mates and we, we spoke quite a lot about that, actually, the podcast. I was getting in, interrogated about it and asked questions. and uh, Yeah, really good, really good, just to, to catch up with people. Um but it does raise the question. I think it must be really hard for people that don't like football or just don't like a sport in general. Like I wonder this question from time to time. Like it just seems like your Saturday needs that or it's a void. And I, I do wonder about people like how do you live when you're in that situation where you don't follow a sport and you get to Friday and you're like, Fuck yes, there's a game tomorrow, like can really look forward to it. Like I I don't know about anyone else. What are your thoughts on that, Skies? Yeah, I'd agree. Um, to be fair, I got the flyers as well. My wife's a season ticket holder at, at the ice rink, so um, I managed to fill up the void last night with a 3-0 win um, at the Fife Ice Arena. It's not quite the same, but um, yeah. it, it, it fills that void, but I agree. No idea of shopping and... and no, no, no I just I imagine getting it a Saturday and just like not having anything to do. It'd just be bizarre. Just like, oh, I just stayed at home, just chilled out, watched a few films. Like, fucking... You're not <laughs> getting that night. Why were you not depressed and angry you know, for, for most of your day <laughs> I was thinking off. more of a 90th minute winner or something like that. Like, um, <laughs> the endorphins that you get off it are just <laughs> second to To be fair, there's been a lot of years where I have had zero desire to go to football on a Saturday. Ah, that's true. I've that's still gone to football on a Saturday. Uh, it, uh, again, it probably falls into that category of you are playing well, so you're enjoying it. So that's the, the explanation behind it. So yeah, as you as you mentioned, Leslie, um, it was a, a convincing five nil win uh, in the game that was probably of interest for us uh, for for Dundee United um, away at Far Hill. So that that gives a four point gap to them. Obviously, we've got a game in hand, but 
as uh, of this parish, John Greer pointed out, um, to, to throw in that reference there, um, Julie Fleeton was seemingly on BBC Scotland saying that we'd fallen away despite not playing. I'm not sure how you can fall away if you've not even had a chance to, to, to keep pace. But um, yeah, it looked like um, a convincing result for them there, to say the least. And yeah, Duncan, what were your thoughts seeing that coming in? I thought it was, I thought it was indicative of, of what you'll see from Dundee United quite a bit this season. And as much as the, the games that they win, they'll win well. And in that, even looking at their their first quarter results, and they've won a couple of games, <clears throat> like our both on the first day, as soon as they get a bit of daylight, I think they've got some very good players who can make a lot of use of space. You know, the more open a game is, I think the better that Dundee United side are. But when you look at the games where they've struggled a little bit, you know, they struggled at home to Airdrie, they struggled at home to Dunfermline, I think in the last minute equaliser they needed in that one. Um, if she's drew with us as well. And I don't think they've enjoyed those games where they're kept tight. They've obviously still got a lot of ability that they're able to um not necessarily grind out results, but they're they're good enough that you're never gonna blow them away. But I do think that you'll see a lot of those that once they can get themselves two 0 up, they can make it three and four and five without too much additional trouble. Yeah. But um Thought it was interesting looking at some of the reaction to that game from the Thistle fans. It seems like the biggest factor for them at the moment is that they don't really have a holding midfielder. And I think we saw that last season when Scott Brown was injured. It's so critical. And that's where you can really, really get yourself into bother with just not having that kind of balance in midfield. And it's going to be interesting to see how Thistle kind of address that because that's um, it's not just against the the best side in the division that that can really come back and haunt you. Yeah, I think it's. I mean, again, it's probably puts into perspective our results that we've had because we obviously drew on the opening day against Thistle, a two-all draw where we came back. Um, and at that point, you're probably thinking Thistle are going to kick on and have a really strong start, but they seem very stop-start. And then as well, us drawing at home to United a few weeks back, we probably deserve a bit more props for that now because we've played Scott Brown at the back. I mean, what were your thoughts about it, Blair? Yeah, same. I actually, I mean, I agree with what um, Duncan's saying about Dundee United. I think it's a funny one, though. Like, I mean, it's 1-0 for an hour. Well, I say there was 1-0 after 10 minutes. Um, and then it's 60, 61 minutes. Like I say, I was put on about doing a bit of DIY kind of stuff checking the scores, loving the fact the pars were getting beat, um, watching the watching the scores coming in, and it's still 1-0 in both the championship games. And then you check again kind of 20 minutes later, and it was I think it was 4-0 at that point. And I'm like, what the hell's happened? Like, they, they just seem to have collapsed. But I wonder if it's more about Partick Thistle than it is about Dundee United. For that, Like, like you say, they 2-0 up against us, and they clearly didn't like it up them, because as soon as we put a bit of pressure on them, they absolutely collapsed. Um, they did the same the week after, I'm sure. Did they not? Was it Airdrie? Yeah, they lost the way. To, uh, they lost the way to Airdrie, I'm sure. Um, yeah, they were, they were one 0 up at half time, I think, mm-hmm. and they lost two one. Yep. And it seems to be that thing of of Partick or that kind of team. And you look at their results; they got beat um, quite convincingly by our our Broth. So they seem to either win quite convincingly or actually really shit the bed. Um, so I'm not sure how much Dundee United should read into. It that result, if I'm honest. 
Yeah, I think, I think they're, it, um, they're sorry, Robbie. They're, they're very brittle. Yeah, it's probably the word for Partick Thistle. They they seem to be quite good at times, but then you said they're like you know they don't like it up them. That's yeah. that's exactly what it seems to be. It's it's one thing goes against them, and they they just don't seem to have that sort of resilience. And it's very easy to go back to like last season's playoffs when they really threw that away. And then they've done it, you know, multiple times since. And the other thing I noticed um, from that game yesterday, they were playing Kieran and Gwenya at right back. Really? So I think, Ooh. yeah, a little bit like the, the Rovers at the moment. They've got decent players, but they're also turning up on a Saturday with one or two, you know, kind of round pegs in a square hole or vice versa. Um, and yeah, you, you're always going to give up chances, but it's a very, it's a, it's, it's a division that that can do that to you. I mean, it, I was looking, so a couple of weeks back, um, our both beat Partick Thistle three nothing. The week after that, Partick Thistle beat Dunfermline three nothing, and then the postponed game the week after, our both were at East End Park. Now, obviously, the Pars haven't done brilliantly the last couple of weeks, but like, would you have been? incredibly surprised had that game gone ahead if Dunfermline had happened to win 3-0 like mm. not massively it wouldn't be a total stunner it's it's one of these things where that's the way the championship goes it really it's a kind of cliche but anyone can be anyone and anyone can be anyone quite well um, if one or two things go or don't go for them I'd agree with that I mean I'm minded just to something I think it was an Air fan had said online last year which is Really, you don't. It's not all about Christmas that you actually get a sense of what kind of fight you're in as a team, because you've got so many of these topsy turvy results that you need to play everybody about twice. You need to have about half the season done before you start to get a sense of where you you sit in the, the grand scheme of things. I mean, just one other thing I will say about Partick while I have the airtime is. Loaning Anton Dowds out to air is an extremely bold and some might say slightly daft move. I mean, as a club, we've been there, we've done it, and we've had that focus <laughs> on the thumb with Lewis Vaughan at Dumbarton. And, you know, unless you are very confident that you're going to be light years ahead of the team you've loaned that player to, you're just storing up all kinds of trouble for yourself. So that's a really weird one for me. Yeah, I think the the interesting one, I mean, I, I can get where you're coming from with it. What I would say about that is I think that Anton Doubts is not as good as Brian Graham. Um, in this, and I think that Brian Graham is pretty much just guaranteed at least 15 goals at this level, even though he's coming to very much into the twilight years of his career. I think the best point of his career was when he was with us, and we saw his best years, and then he sort of had the resurgence with Thistle. Um, but to, to expand on sort of what's been mentioned before, uh, I think that it's almost like every other team, barring Dundee United and maybe Morton and Cali, feel like we were last season. That they're very just uh, brittle was a very good use to word uh, word to use there, Duncan. Just that the teams seem very inconsistent and can't really put the runs together. One interesting statistic that I did notice: um, the the guy that posted on Pine Bovril, the Dundee United fans, uh, Sarto Mutiny. He posted that there were six goals scored in the championship yesterday, and all six goals that were scored were by players under contract for Dundee United because it was Logan Chalmers that scored for Air. And that's a brilliant statistic, which probably shows about the, the depth that they've got. But 
Yeah, uh, that was the only other game yesterday. Uh, Dunfermline lost um, 1-0 to air at home. Just mediocre mid-table battle. And uh, a lot of Pars fans seemed very unhappy with McPake. So it'll be interesting to see the, the response to that last season. They were sort of the comments were all suggesting that generally it tended to be the air were in the ascendancy and unlucky not to get more goals. So if you can carry that on next week, lads, by all means, feel free. Absolutely. Thoroughly enjoyed the comment section. Yeah, yeah, as you always do. And uh, what I did notice as well is that um, it's quite interesting seeing how the. And I, I always believe that they're they're a very good club for shifting the goalposts on Fermlin. Uh, much like England fans at the Euro, at the, uh, the last Euros when it was before the game, um, very much a case of uh, you had Rio Ferdinand in the pre-match punditry. Oh, I think we should be taking five or six off Scotland. And as soon as we got that nil-nil draw, it's a case of, oh, you're celebrating a nil-nil draw like you've won the World Cup. So this season, we've obviously, Rovers crowds have rocketed up. We're sitting about, what, 3,000 in terms of our home attendances, uh, generally speaking. And that's not even, I mean, occasionally. You're probably looking with away fans about like three or 400, I think would be fair to say. But by and large, it's mostly been home fans coming in. Um, and the narrative has very much changed that, like, even on the social media, you had that uh, one of their fans slaughtering us for the uh, Ian Murray <laughs> yearbook thing. And he's clearly not got that it's a meme that's recurring across like social media. Um, so, yeah, just I feel like a lot of it's very much grasping at straws at their side at the moment just because of how well that we're doing. But we're going to give a bit more airtime to that game later on in the week. Um, and I'm sure that, that we won't be short of people with things to say about the derby. Um, so we'll move on from that. Um so from a Rafe Rovers perspective, the big announcement this week was uh, came on Friday. Um, there was inklings that it was going to be coming. And I think that a lot of people like me were barking a bit up the wrong tree. Uh, but it was announced on Friday at the start of Club 1883, uh, which is a new sort of subscription-based um, offer that the, the club are doing. It's not a reboot of the supporters' fund which was what I initially took from it. I was very much thinking, well, this is just going to be a recurrence of this. But no, it's it's different to what was expected. Effectively, Andy Barrowman's came out and provided a, a sort of sit-down interview with David Hancock explaining the ins and outs about it. Quite a lot of people had questions as oh, what happens with the supporters fund. This is a bit different. So he's basically just expanded that it's going to be used for all manner of costs. It's very much Rury's project that um, offer can be done via fan base, things like stadium costs, so try to repair seats and things like that. Um, so it's £20 uh, for your gold membership and gold international. There's a, a, a range of sort of things that are going to be offered from it. Um, so yeah, just uh, to go to yourself firstly, Leslie, what did you make of that as someone that obviously follows from afar? A uh, what did you what did you think when you saw that coming out and that they've obviously got that international offering as well as the, the, the sort of domestic offering? I mean, it was the international bit was the bit that, that clearly jumped out at me, and I think that's, that's a fantastic thing to do. Um, for the bit I really liked was the the homecoming ticket thing. I think that's great as well because clearly there's 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 Wraith TV and there's the, the that's built into that package as well. But then also just saying like you know when you do come back to when you do come back to Kirkcaldy, here's something for you. And I think you know we've got a really big um, overseas fan base. Probably I think probably more than we than we might think. Um, you know we've got clearly. Scott, uh, who comes on here occasionally from the from the Netherlands, you know we we know we've got uh, 
Carol Smith in Barcelona. Carol Smith, absolutely in Barcelona, yeah. Yeah, she was um, basically DM just saying that she's really enjoying the podcast and thanking us for for all the contributions. So, yeah, um, shout out to Carol. Absolutely. I mean, we've got people all over the world and even as far afield as as Texas and places like that too and just kind of having something out there for them and providing something a little bit different is, I think, really good and just acknowledging that. So I'm, I'm... very pleased to see it as well. And like you say, I like the idea that there's a bit of clarity about what it's been used for and that it's it's not just a reboot of the supporters fund, but that there's a whole range of things that we need to do at the club that ultimately are going to make us stronger and that that's what this is going to do is, is something I'm very, very heartened to see. And I think like we've said before, it just reflects that everything on and off the pitch at the moment seems to be going in the right direction. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to turn to you, Duncan, now. Um, I think that it's been quite cute in terms of the club that, what they've done is they've said it's not an expansion of the supporters fund. Um, it's completely different. I, like yourself, I believe, we both dropped out on the back of the David Goodwillie signing for the supporters fund. Yep. Do you think they've been quite cute in the sense that they've made this available, but they've also highlighted that the supporters fund is still on the go so that people that have maybe lapsed will also say, actually, I could jump back into that. I thought it was interesting the way that um, Andy Barman framed that in his interview with, with Davy Hancock, because when the first that he mentioned it, I was a little bit, not taken aback, but I was quite surprised when he said that, you know, it's, it's not a replacement, it's an addition. But the way that he explained it then made sense, where it now seems to me that the supporters fund is almost going to act as a, as a top-up vehicle, um, because the, uh, the Club 1883 is a fixed cost it's you know at its top end it's 20 pounds a month whereas the supporters fund is variable um it seems like that's probably going to be the way that that goes that if you could only pick one i think the club would rather know that you picked the club 1883 but if you've got cash in your pocket beyond 20 pounds a month and you'd like to make an additional contribution the supporters fund then gives you a, an additional sort of um an additional way to do that and it'd be inter- interesting to see how that offering changes over time, because I know there's um, there's a quarterly draws and things that are involved in that. Again, Robbie, you and I were involved in in some kind of discussions with the the club as part of the fans panel, and albeit it was a, a small subset, but the, the general sort of consensus from from our group was that the things like the cash prizes in the supporters fund felt a little bit sort of um, out of place almost mm-hmm. because people were turning up with a sort of stated aim of like, I'd like to put some money into the football club. And then the football club was giving money back to someone else. And it was yeah. like, well, that's, nobody came here to try and take money out of this. So actually mm-hmm. with the, the club 1883, there's lots more, you know, tangible benefits and all that kind of stuff. I wonder if over time they might not change the supporters fund to be something else, which is maybe more of a, a premium offering for people who are going above and beyond um, as opposed to the, the sort of standard offering that Cub 1883 now becomes. Yeah, no, I think that's a, a very, very valid point. And Blair, just what were your thoughts when you saw it coming through? Um, is it something that you, you obviously, um, as a, a longer term supporter, what are you sort of thinking when you see it come through? Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of with Duncan in the the sense that the I think the club would very much like us to to join 1883 rather than the supporters fund. So I, I I'll be honest, I didn't stop my payment um, to the supporters fund, um, and I got the email through. Um, it was last I think it was last Thursday, 
um, which went to all the current supporters fund donations, effectively saying, you know, your payment's about to come out in a couple of days. We're about to launch this. Um, if you'd like to jump over now, here's the link. Um, so there did seem to be a kind of a, we would rather you were doing this than doing that. Um, so I did. Um, I, I jumped over to the, the Club 1883, <clears throat> which I think is a, a great idea. I agree that the cash money thing was always a bit messy. Um, it's an incentive that will entice some people, though. I think it always will be. Yeah. Um, the, the fact that you can put a tenner a month in and potentially walk away with a thousand pound at the end of the month. Um, do you know what I mean there's always that that kind of incentive? Um, I think it's a great thing. Um, I prefer the 1883 model in the terms that they're not saying it's for this or it's for that. I always hated the topping up the, the player fund, like buying players. This idea that I pay yeah. their wages, I make these like. It just always felt a little bit messy. Like, I pay my money to go and watch the team and to have somebody far more qualified than me. I mean, I'll critique them. To the, to the, that's what I'm here for, right? Yeah. Um, I'll come on and give my, my tuppence worth to the cows come home, but I'm never going to sit here and say, I pay their wages. My decision should be... Yeah. Like, it just always felt a bit messy. I you know, think so that... I'm all for it. That's that's the thing with football clubs as well. Um, I think it's an interesting situation, especially at this level of football, because you see it with, with clubs across all of the SPFL. Um, supporters are naturally very... The more further down you go, I feel, the more supporters are sort of valued in the sense that like, if you go to an English Premier League club, it doesn't matter. You're a statistic. Whereas at this level, the club can obviously utilise and you'll be I think you're probably more likely when you've got that emotional attachment, you know the people involved with the club you're yeah. invested, you've got the memories, you've got stuff like this where you will be liable to sort of say, fantastic, happy to jump into this um, and again I feel that it's it's very good in the sense that it's very accessible as well, you don't need to mess about with standing orders, it's done via fan base, the club I feel have had a very solid uptake so far because it is so uh, accessible so, yeah, I, I really look forward to seeing what happens with it moving forwards. Um, the club have been very bold in terms that they've put the target out of what they want to achieve with it. And I would encourage anyone, if they've not done already, to because he's explained it far better than I ever will, um, listen to Andrew Barrowman's sort of interview with FTV because he just outlines everything about it. Um, I'm sure that as Rovers fans, you've probably done that already. Um, so I don't think anyone's going to be coming on here to a, a shocker and saying, What's he on about? I don't know about this. When uh, you probably had your YouTube notifications pinging off with it from Rafe TV already. I so, like yeah. um, I like that idea though that there's an interview with the CEO, but someone's like, no, no, I want to hear what these four jobbers think first. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, was... Just to sorry to to jump in, Robbie, on that point. Carry on. What and to go to Blair's point as well. I'm kind of the same where when they say that. Um, because they Benita has said it for this as well that some of it will go towards football operations. It's like, yeah, you're a football club. That's like yeah. that's that's what happens. That's where you know loads of that money's gonna go. And it's it's almost a lot of time it's just like it's just displacement. So you can raise, you know, say you raise ten thousand pounds from your supporters fund, so you're like, Yeah, so we're gonna spend that on this player. Almost certainly that money would have been spent anyway, and you're now just taking ten thousand pounds from, you know, you're not allocating it from somewhere else. And so the interesting part for me is when they're talking about the this is a capital expenditure, essentially. And the the thing is, 
as we've seen with, with basically everything they've done so far, the guys who've come in very much talk the talk very, very well. Um, to the point where it's it's almost getting suspicious, the level to which they're telling me what I want to hear. But I've got every belief that they will walk the walk as well. And the big thing in this is going to be around the transparency that they're offering. Because I think what, and I'm, I'm sort of making this assumption based on what he said, but it seems to me like what I would expect from this is that six months down the line, Andrew Barrowman's going to come back, come back and he's going to say, um, we've just replaced... 200 damage seats in the north stand. It cost us £14,000. So, you know, that's 700 people's contributions. So that's two months worth of contributions. That's where that went. And you can actually go, excellent, that's good numbers. And that's the kind of stuff that's what you would want. That, that feels much better to me when you can actually just say, look, here's the supporters. You chipped in. Here's something that we wouldn't have been able to do otherwise that would have sat unrepaired, but thanks to your contributions, we've done it, and that's now going to generate additional income. And that, I think, is where you then start to see the value of the money that you're putting in. Because the supporters fund, you know, for the time that I was contributing to it, I never begrudged the money that I put in, but it was very much felt like uh, quite a, a nebulous donation. Yeah. So the money went in. I was trusting the football club to spend it properly, and which is fine, where like you, I'm not expecting, you know, an itemized bill. But if I do get one, it feels more valuable and it feels like I'm more likely to look back on it and think, oh, I'm glad I put that money in because it's had this tangible benefit. And that seems to be what um Ruri, if he's if he's driving this, has kind of sought to, to lay out. It's for people to actually say, Oh, I put that money in and I'm glad that I do it as opposed to, I put that money in because I'm a Rover supporter and I feel like, you know, it's a good thing to do. To be able to actually look back and see the why will be uh, will be good. So hopefully, as I say, they can, uh, they can deliver on that. Just going to add as well, you know, I was having a chat the other week with uh, somebody from Forest Green Rovers um, and it's exactly the kind of things you were saying there, Duncan, about how you sort of create that story, that narrative of what is happening with the money that comes in. And clearly, Forest Green are a club that have got quite strong environmental credentials um, but that's not the only reason they invest in stuff. So they, they do a lot of things around renewable energy in the stadium and they're replacing the buses that take the players to training with battery buses, electric buses, things like that. But again, it's, the, it's what they're, the, the, the guy from the club that I was chatting with was saying is it's getting over that initial hurdle with the fans of saying, this is why we're not buying another right back with that money. But we're putting it into, you know, the buses that are taking the players training or putting it into the, the, the changing rooms, the training facilities or whatever. And, you know, we're, we're investing it in things that are going to bring us success on the pitch long term. So I think absolutely, you know, just creating that story of, of what's happening and how that's feeding into the success rather than like we did last season, blowing it on. And I'm not yeah. saying this to the supporters fund, but bringing in Ishmael Gonzalez, who scores a couple of nice goals and then gets carried off by two men at Cali. You know, so that's feeding well, that bigger picture. That's probably a very good good point, uh, Leslie, about what you said, because there was an interesting point after that Motherwell game last season where um, we'd brought in Goncalves, and um, effectively, Murray came out and said in the pre- our, our post-match interview, he was like, yeah, that, we're very glad that we're through, and that helps a lot in terms of the signing for the budgets and things like that. 
because it just it, it sort of shows the the sort of direction that we were going in before, where it kind of felt that we were sort of drifting from season by season, where it's now very structured, very articulated about what we're doing and where we're going with things. And yeah, um, to expand on what Duncan said as well, last episode we obviously spoke about signings at the season. Um, and you could take that off the pitch as well, because naturally, Andrew Barman, the job that he's done has been tremendous, just the clarity that you have. You go to events at the club and you'll see him. Um, and I've not spoken to him myself, but I'm sure that he is very, very approachable. Um, and I'd say that about Ruri as well. Ruri is consistently in dialogue with other supporters. There's been a lot done to make sure that they're sort of saying, can we try and engage with this? Can we try and build on it? Uh, which is naturally what you want so it's interesting to see sort of projects getting assigned to certain people and sort of name checked and um again it, that goes on the football side as well john potter um you speak to anyone that's been involved uh, or just you hear about all the players when they're doing their interviews they're all mentioning how big a factor he's been in signing so mm-hmm. yeah uh, just really interesting to sort of see those dynamics um and long may it continue uh, i know that we're on a, a sort of very <laughs> life is great sunshine happiness all this joy that we've got at the moment um and it's probably quite easy to do right now but yeah just so long as we've got that clarity and they were the first ones to say we're not going to get everything right not everything's going to work and the singing section is probably a great example of that that they tried something maybe it's not worked as well as we thought it might have or it was an ambitious shout but yeah they're doing a really really good job um and long may it continue yeah i was going to say just one final point on that the whole 1883 thing, we've got to remember, this is like the third incarnation now of a supporter's ability to to kind of monthly-wise put money in. So the first version, obviously, under um, Craig Easton was about the young team and, and yeah. getting the sort of reserve under-21s, under-18s, whatever they were, that kind of team together and paying for it. Um, it was then it, that kind of fell away and, and fell apart. And in truth, it, it fell apart because the football team fell apart. Like yeah. we got relegated and, and it was a shambles and all the rest of it. You then put together the supporters fund, um, which to be fair, I was still involved with the social media at the time. So I was part of the kind of, I wasn't behind the idea, but behind the campaign and getting it out and making the supporters feel like it was part of their fund and it's for them and all of that kind of stuff. So we did a lot of work on it. It's all about you as supporters bringing you in. This is about you being part of the club. And then we signed who we signed and it fell apart again. Yeah. And it's that thing of these things are, are great. And again, I think the real testament to any of this stuff, and it's the same, and I, and I don't want to be the kind of negative Nancy in this, but... No, the, but we need that. We need testament that. to all of it is going to be when times get tough, because at some point, you know, the clocks are going to change in a couple of weeks' time. So <laughs> at some point, the wheels are going to come off. Do you know what I mean? And it's, it's that thing of if it happens whether or not that kind of can see it through. The one thing I think that Ruri's done really, really well in this, given that it's it's his idea, is he's made it a membership. So you're now no longer contributing. You're a member. You're part of it. So if you stop contributing, you cancel your membership. You leave the, the club, as yeah. it were. And I think that's really subtle, but it's really clever. Um you know, we've we've talked a lot about the wins that the, the and you've mentioned a few of them already, but the the vote for the Dundee United tickets and do you I mean all of these kind of little things that the club are doing to make us feel like it's ours, I think are really clever, um and yeah again I agree long long may it continue, um but I hope it's the I I really hope this one sticks that's my yeah. my thing I really hope even when when things get tough because they will, um that it that it sticks. 
yeah, I, and I think I know that you sort of say you're sort of saying, oh, I don't want to be a negative person, but I think that you need that as well. You can't yeah. go about like everyone's Mister Smiley, happy, positive. I think we've got to all be pragmatic about things and just realistic about where 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 things are headed. Um, and that's I mean, especially with we had boys that were calling for Ian Murray's head at half time at Partick Thistle in the first game of the season. So, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's football's a fuck a fickle business. Yeah, yeah there, there are still um, there's still kind of overarching questions to be answered as well. You know, we've still got sets of accounts to come post takeover. I think there's still ownership structure. You know, there, there's there's really quite big substantial stuff that that we've not been party to yet. But we can only judge them what we've seen so far. Uh, yeah. So yeah, everything they've done so far has been very impressive. You know, we can only kind of hope that that continues. But you know, that's these are the you, you cross these bridges as you come to them. Yeah, Absolutely. and I think it'll just be really interesting. We you spoke about before, obviously, uh, the you had your game against Cali. We beat them in that hoodoo. Um, touched on it before in the last podcast yeah. as well. Dunfermline away, beat them for the first time in ten years. So maybe this is a season where we can go in and have a strong winter. Maybe I'm being far too optimistic about this. Um, have a strong winter, finish second in the league potentially. I don't feel like that's unrealistic given how other teams are performing, how we're performing. Um, and we kick on and the the financial prize money uh, difference we we know that from previous boards where they've gone for broken it's not worked out um is massive so again we've got to factor that in um so think to, to actually to, to come back to what we were saying at the beginning i think you've made a really good point there in the terms of the clocks go back and we get worse and it happens all the time i think it's it's a it's a feature of the championship that we haven't, I mean, it's a feature of all football, but particularly notable in the championship. Teams that have a really good first quarter and then start to fall away because you've only got one way of working. I mean, yeah. to, to, to get even smaller scale than teams, the, the most obvious example I can think of is Dario Zanata two years ago. Yeah. Where his first quarter was yeah. unbelievable. And then, and then yeah, every single, every single team in the division was like, oh, don't show him onto his right foot. Right, cool. And then he did nothing else. And and yeah, by, by January, we were like, actually, there's literally no point even having him around anymore. Um, he's become so ineffective. And that's that's not just a Rovers thing. I'd say that, that goes for everyone. I think I it's like one that... There's, um, there's also the reverse of that as well. Like, you notice teams at the bottom, they get their manager gone within the first 10 games, and then they seem to go on a tremendous run. Our both have done it a few times. Uh, Morton did it before, um, where they were like, rock bottom of the league and then they brought in Doogie Emery and that completely changed them sorry to Christina for mentioning his <laughs> name um, and it wouldn't surprise me if Cali did the same uh, this season I feel yeah. like they've, they've had a turnaround but again we'll see whether Duncan Ferguson is all that um, but yeah I feel like it's a, a great point I think, to put there. I think that, that's going to be the big test for, for Ian Murray really this season mm-hmm. is you've had a really good strong first quarter but it's a case of is that something that you can then carry forward? And actually, as we you know sit here at the moment and football can change very, very quickly, my suspicion is that they will yeah. uh, actually kind of keep going. Maybe not necessarily putting up quite as many points as they have done, but it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like a Zanata-esque season to me. It doesn't feel like the Rovers have been taking teams by surprise or have adopted a way of playing that teams aren't used to. I think they've yeah. been winning games, and to be fair, they've been winning games quite narrowly, but as we've said all along, we're winning games narrowly almost 
not by design, obviously you don't want to only win by a single goal, but when we've been winning by a single goal, it hasn't felt panicky or lucky. It's felt quite controlled. And yeah. that, I think, is is a positive sign that this isn't a sort of flash in the pan, good quarter that's then going to fall apart. But yeah. as you say, there's, there's nine other teams who are all, you know, trying to do the same thing. So it will, it will be interesting to see. But definitely that's a... As much as we talk about the clock going back, I think a lot of that is it's you play everybody once, they start to work you out. And if you are quite one dimensional, it's when you can you really start to be caught out going into the winter. Yeah. I mean I I just don't really feel that we are a, a one dimensional team. Um I know it's yeah. been mentioned a few times, but Jack Hamilton's done really well when he's been used as a target man, even if it's not his natural position. But yeah, I think it'll be a test if that situation does come to pass because people become very, very panicky very quickly. Uh, football fans, as you've said, Blair, can be very yeah. jittery. Our WhatsApp chat today has already had conversations in it about <laughs> people that maybe lose their rag and, and our opinions on that, but everyone is your paying supporter, you're entitled to your opinion, so hence why we've got this podcast. Exactly, exactly. So we'll move it along. Um, the next point I just want to touch upon, he's not on the podcast today, but just to mention that there is a Hall of Fame night coming up, 20th of November. Um, I spoke with John about this uh, quite recently, he said there's only about like 30 tickets or so left for it. It's at the Adam Smith Theatre. Um, guest speakers are going to be Gary McAllister and John Barnes, so obviously two very, very prominent names in British, uh, British football um, over the last sort of, 40 years or so. Um, a wide range of inductees. Uh, we've got Danny Lennon, Tommy Hislop, Jason Thompson, Gordon Arthur, and uh, Paquito will be flying over as well for it. So uh, a lot to look forward to there. It's going to be £30 a ticket. Uh, I believe there's also VIP tickets, which are a bit more expensive, and those can be bought from the home of Hopcroft, um, which is just on the east end of the high street. So, yeah, just um, just a shout out for that, and just to say it looks like it'll be a really good night. I've never been myself to a Hall of Fame night, but I fully intend on getting a ticket, and just to give it a bit of promotion, and I'm sure that we'll have a full episode uh, with John to, to sort of dive into that in a bit of further detail. So, yeah, uh, very much looking forward to that. Uh, just to to round us off, um, does anyone want to say anything about that at all, or are we okay to move on to the question? I was just going to say, the, the Hall, of Fame's a, Hall of Fame's a great night, to be fair, it always is. Um, I've been, uh, I think all of them, I think I maybe missed the first one, um, but they're always a, always a cracking night. Um, and actually, sometimes the guest speakers are brilliant, sometimes the guest speakers are kind of okay. Um, it seems to be one of those things afterwards as well that everybody's kind of going, oh, I really enjoyed them, and somebody else goes, nah, didn't really enjoy him or or whatever. But the one thing that goes through the whole thing of it, and it's the same every year, is the the guys that come away from it, the guest speakers, the players, whatever, are like, there is no other club doing this. There is nowhere where you would get this many people coming to something like this for a club this size. Um, it's a cracking night, really is. Yeah, so we've obviously got that to look forward to. I better not promote it too much and then end up not being able to get a ticket. That would be a bit of an egg on the face moment. Uh, so that brings us on to the big question. Yeah, I'm talking about former players. Uh, and yeah, yesterday, obviously, Partick Thistle got absolutely thumped with uh, their former player, Kevin Hoke, getting a hat-trick against them. Um, promptly, seemingly wound up their fans something fierce. Um, so the big question was, players who have came back to haunt Rovers after leaving us, uh, which was put as a thoroughly depressing question in, <laughs> in this episode. So I'm going to start with yourself, Leslie. Um, who was your pick for this? I had a few. Um, there's a couple who've come back to haunt us in recent years in 
isolated incidents, shall we say, one of them being Grant Gillespie winning uh, a game for Morton with a, a penalty kick right at the end. Another being Declan McManus, who thumped a volley in, in fairness, a very good volley uh, in front of the North Stand to complete a miraculous recovery for, for Dunfermline in one of, the, one of the first five derbies after we became, came back up. But the, the person I'd gone for coming back to haunt us was Jason Thompson. And, and again, you know, he, he, he left on, on good terms. He yeah. left for, he wanted to go to part-time football and you know, there was no kind of ill feeling there. He just then turned out to be very good for our growth. And you know, we, we chatted about this in the, uh, in the, in the, the, the last episode and um, was part of that uh, that famous Arbroath defence that were just completely, you know, unbreachable. And so, you know, it probably isn't a, a single performance or a single moment, but for me it would be Jason Thompson just being part of that uh, impenetrable Arbroath defence that were a, a big part of them, beating us quite comprehensively to, uh, to League One in the... You know what I've just realised, Leslie? See what you just said in that? They're like a shite AC Milan, eh? When they had Maldini, Nesta, <laughs> um, and Cafu. And, uh, oh, they're more, they're more Stoke City before Saturday. Uh, yeah. uh, <clears throat> so, yeah, I, I think Jason Thompson's a great shout. Um, very good servant for the club over, over a prolonged period for us. Uh, I know that he came in on loan at first and then just, yeah, just a dependable right-back that you could Really enjoyable figure as well. Had a bit of a bit of character about him, and he he wound up the cow and beef fans something fierce when uh, he got scythed down in the box, um, and the referee gave a penalty in what was a clear, clear, brutal, brutal attack on him. Um, followed his followed his brother as well. His brother, yeah, yeah, Danny, Danny. Danny. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> it's worth you just you couldn't even really get annoyed at Jason Thompson. It wasn't like yeah. you know, he left on bad terms or he'd been a total shite bag when he was with us. <laughs> You know, he was a great player, he did well, and he left for, you know, for, for, for his own reasons, and he just had to see fair play. Yeah, uh, a brilliant shout, a brilliant shout there. Uh, so, Duncan, to turn to yourself, um, who did you have? So, um, Leslie mentioned it already, and I feel like we might need to use like, the, the magic of post-production to stick a, a trigger warning at the start of this episode. <laughs> but um, very briefly, I'm just going to bring up Lewis Vaughan going to Dumbarton. Um because that could possibly be the only instance of a current player coming back to haunt somebody um, in in the most brutal fashion. You know what? I've brought it up and I don't want to talk about it. Uh, <laughs> that's that's how painful that remains. Uh, but we'll talk just about it. We'll fundamentally, talk about it. the most uh, significant act of Harry Carey that a football club has possibly ever committed. And um, just... Just to, I was looking back, and there was an interview on Dumbarton's website with Lewis Vaughan, and you can feel like the the sort of the awkwardness, even just in in the words from him. But he's just like the the subtext is, what am I doing here? Like, why am I in this situation? Yeah. It was just after he they beat Morton one nothing. He scored the only goal, and that was really the point where you're like, oh no, this is happening. This is actually yeah, yeah the thing that Every... when it was announced, and it was kind of hypothetically everyone was like well that's the most stupid idea in the world like can you imagine if and then that was exactly what happened because it tried to go it tried to get played off as though we were like comfortably clear at Dumbarton but we weren't at all we were like four points ahead we're like plus one goal difference or something stupid like that it played I'll let you come in there because I... no I was going to say that it not turned out that every single goal he scored Got them points as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He scored, he scored in every. Everyone was a winner or got them a point and a draw. It's yeah. like 
you single-handedly couldn't have picked a worst way, a worst way to lose, to get relegated. And yeah. actually, weirdly, that season, it might not have even been the most batshit crazy thing that happened. Because yeah. that was the season we had, that was the season we had a striker in goals down at yeah. like, That was uh, just a, a, that whole season was a, a masterclass in like, how not to run a club. When I was doing my Taddy, Taddy from Two Yards blog, I, I wrote, I'm sure I wrote a whole article about that season and just basically going over it. I remember getting a DM on Pine Bovril from Fraser Clark, who should by all accounts be a Rafe Rovers fan, given that we've got uh, Dylan Easton, Lewis Vaughan and Kevin Dabrowski, all players that he absolutely loves to bits, and Sam Stanton in particular. God, if I forgot Sam Stanton, he'd probably kill me. But he DM'd me like, I've heard a rumour. Um, and I'm pretty sure this is true because he works as a journalist and he says just so you know we're getting Lewis Vaughan on loan from you and I was like what what how can that be remotely like ah, and you're getting Ryan Stevenson in return like how 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 is that like remotely possible because I get that he'd not been on form but like geez oh I I, I will say one thing about that season and right if you take a bit of paper and a pen and you write down all the batshit crazy things that happen, you've got yeah. alternative lyrics to We Didn't Start the Fire. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. Because remember, it was the, the Hearts game as well, where we tried to have the, the hospitality, um, and it came out like that the hospitality's thing was going to be a Q&A with Gary Locke, who everyone hated, and Rudy Scatchell, who hadn't scored a goal. Um, which, again, I get that they were trying something a bit different, and it's all in the past now, but yeah. Oh, just, it, was, it was hospitality for Harps fans. I know, I know. You can't market your club that way, unfortunately, oh. but again, it's just, it was at the time, and mistakes were made, and you learn from them. <laughs> um, yeah, just uh, a ridiculous season, but again, with Lewis Vaughan, I think you could say that about his entire career, where if you told him at the start of his career, Everything that happens to him during his career after he scores that goal against Queen's Park on his debut when he was like 16 years old. Or no, it wasn't his debut. His debut was end of the season before against Morton. But if you told him everything that would happen after that, I don't think anyone could remotely predict like anything that's happened. Like, I mean, to score a, a, a hat-trick in a Fife derby is, is one thing. To Even, get loaned um... out and relegate your club. Even if, to have the four ACLs but then having completely... fucking life the next year in League One it was something and, him, and then he hit the post in the final game right. which didn't win us a title it just yeah again but imagine getting a club you get your own club relegated but your fans still say you're one of our own we've got flags about him we've got a Lewis Vaughan supporters club how is that possible like just it makes it makes no sense but it makes complete sense at the same time it's just so, to turn to yourself, uh, Blair, finally, um, before I get my one in, who was your pick for it? So I've got I, I've got two that I'm going to pick, and they're not actually all, um, or both in the same vein. One is a complete inverse. So I spoke about this in the chat the other day. Um, a player who scored probably 95% of his career goals against Wraith Rovers signs for Wraith Rovers, and then was an absolute horror show of a sign-in. So uh, James Keatons um, is one who inversely came back to haunt us. Um, I've never, ever been more disappointed by a sign-in. We came back to haunt him. Yes, we did. Actually, that's true. We literally did haunt him. Um, I mean, he only ever seemed to score against us. And you always have those players. You know, Scott Agnew is another one. Um, yeah. the only ever, the, but then we signed them, and I thought, here we go. This boy loves scoring at Stars Park. Nah, 
Nah, not so much. Um, but the one I picked, um, a player who, so we get to a, a cup final, um, they got a man sent off and we are, for 90 minutes, far and away the better team. Um, and Regan Tumulty um, scores the one goal. I mean, I say cup final. It was the Mickey, It's always a Mickey Mouse cup unless you win it. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, Regan Tumulty, it had to be Regan. Do you know what I mean? And a guy, again, who I thoroughly enjoyed um, as a Wraith player um, and I thoroughly liked as an individual as well, I have to say, um, and still do. Um, but, yeah, for Regan to score that goal, yeah, it hurt. Yeah, I, w- I mean, again, as you say, you get to a cup final and it's never nice to lose. I wasn't overly upset, but it, I thought that he's just a good guy. And you see that with the work that he does with Mavember. And I feel like he, he got a lot of stick when he was down at Hartlepool, um, which probably, again, there's, I think it's a different level physically down there. Uh, very hard to make your mark. Um, but just comes across as a, a class act with what he does. And I, I wasn't, I'd never grudge him at um, the goal that he scored and how the celebrations were. Um, so, yeah, just uh, I can fully agree with that one. Uh, that yeah. was frustrating. I'm, uh, it did come I'm back so- on us, but... I'm surprised nobody in the championship picked him up in the summer. I was yeah, I was yeah. surprised to see that um, Hamilton managed to retain him because he's 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 a championship level player. Yeah, definitely. Uh, without much doubt. Yeah. Um, so for myself, I I went with uh, our, our cup final goal scorer, um, just all round hero, um, and a player that I thoroughly loved the bits, Mister John Baird, um, who he obviously had three spells with us and. In between, he had that time with Falkirk where he was just absolutely prolific for them. And just, I feel like that was probably the the sort of return to him, getting back as a recognised forward. And for Falkirk, it felt like he just consistently scored against us. Um, consistently scored against everyone, to be fair. But yeah, he had one where he, I think it was his first game back at Starks Park and he scored in front of our fans. And then he celebrated and he realised what he was doing. And you could tell he kind of felt bad about it, but that just triggered a lot of our support into giving him dogs abuse for for years after and I could never abuse John Baird I could mm-hmm. never say a bad word against him after that cup final against Rangers he gave me probably the best footballing moment of my life um, just the, the whole experience of that afternoon um, but yeah just consistently scored and then he came back to us um, after that spell with Forfar which I don't think anyone expected seeing him McGurn and Grant Anderson winning a league title for us all at the tail end of their, their careers um, at, at a decent level and yeah to the impact they had for us that season was huge uh, down in league one to get us over the line and just him and him Stevie McLean just those types of players that you need to be able to, to get out that and we got up Falkirk stayed down and it was all a very good laugh and we got some good memes <laughs> out of it as well that are now on marks um, so yeah um John Baird, Am I right in thinking guy. John Baird actually came back from Australia? He'd, he'd already gone down to Australia, hadn't he? Or at least he was about to. And yeah, he was about... about to, and John McGlynn had a word with him, basically, and said, look, we need to get out of this league. Come along. And uh, he did it. And aye, just a, a, a face that I'm always pleased to see. Um, especially during lockdown, obviously, um, they did a lot of the interviews, and John Baird's one was really good, just hearing about his time. Um, I think all the players that were in that cup final... So yeah. Grant Anderson, I know he did the Pelly podcast with uh, Craig Telfer from the Terrace, and just to hear them speak about that game is just brilliant. Just the way that they describe it and the sort of emotional, like you go one nil up against Rangers with four minutes to go, and Grant Anderson just said, "You've never no idea how much you want it at that point 
you would never wanted anything more in your life just to, to hear him talk about it. Um, well worth it. Mean, I was going to say, when you talk about the Challenge Cup, I mean, I, I made the joke myself, you know, it's a Mickey Mouse Cup until you win it. But for a lot of players, it's the only it's the only silverware they ever win. Yeah, that's... that's Michael Cochran signing for, signing for Aloha because they were in a Challenge Cup final. Do you know what I mean? It's that thing of never going to win a, a cup. But John Baird, it always surprised me, the career he had, and the only silverware he ever won was the Challenge Cup with us and the league with us. Aye. Do you know what I mean? That's, that's it. I'm going to drop a weird little story in there just quickly, just the interest of keeping Challenge Cup. And like you say, Blair, about what it means to players. So I was over in Slovenia about six weeks ago, and I had a free afternoon. And so... Didn't want to see the castle, didn't want to see the artwork. I did, however, want to go and see where Mati Paplatnik plays. So I rented a bike and I cycled out to this post-socialist stadium at the edge of the, the, edge of the city. Um, kind of wee club shop, club the size of the Rovers. Went into the office. I mean, the guys all speak perfect English. Um, and I says to them, I says, we used to have a player of yours. Um, and they're like, who? And I showed them this picture of Mati with the bandage around his head and the, you know, the wee cup. And again, they, they were saying that it's the only trophy that he, I think he's won in his career or something like that. You know, and so even though he's gone back and he's playing in the, in the top league in Slovenia now, you know, it's still a kind of big part of his career and a big part of, the, you know, what he's taken with him when he's gone away from the Rovers. So I absolutely, it's, you know, we call it the Diddy Cup, but it means a lot to the, the players that win it. I still can't figure out if Matej Poplatnik was a good player or not. That'll baffle me for the rest of my life. Whether he was actually just he just got very unlucky just where we were as a team at that point, or whether he, he scored the cup final and that kind of like glossed over because there was a long spell where he didn't score. I'm just Blair. You look like you're biting your tongue right now. <laughs> yeah, I've got to be honest. I wasn't a fan. He um he kind of flattered to deceive. He was another one of these players we've talked about already. This this podcast, um, those players that are strikers but don't score goals. You know the ones that really work hard and really put themselves about and really offer loads, um, but their jobs to score goals. Um, and yeah, he wasn't he wasn't it for me. Loved him that day. I mean, that was the thing. He he basically had one good game for us. That was, and it just happened to be that game, and it was great. Uh, there was that and Kelly away. Those are the two overriding memories and. A lot yeah. of nothing in between. But <laughs> I um I thought he was I thought he was unfortunate the game time that he got because the player ahead of him was Ethan Varian, who I think is even more of the type of striker that you've mentioned there, Blair. That uh, did he, he score once? With us? Yes, I think he did. Nah, he scored. He scored against Aberdeen. He got one yeah. away to Air, and yeah. he scored against Arbroath as well. Uh, I might have got a double against Arbroath, so he only scored against clubs beginning with A. So Alwa, <laughs> working his way through the alphabet. Never, <laughs> never got to play breaking. Um, <laughs> I, I, I wasn't a big fan of his at all. I thought, I, I think the the vast amount of game time that Matty Paplanic got was last twenty minutes of games, whereas Ethan yeah. Varian was getting seventy, and he was offering very, very, very little. So I, I do kind of wonder what might have we might have had a bit extra out of um, Paplanic if he'd got a couple more starts, but. He's never going to be a, a 15 goal a season striker at this level. So I feel but, like um, two players in particular kill any enthusiasm when I see loan deals from under 23 Premier League clubs. Um, and those are uh, Ethan Varian and Timmy Abraham. Um, <laughs> just the two of those just make me think that level was fucking dog shit. Like you could have oh players God. coming in and you've got no idea where they're going. And I've, we've, we spoke about Kieran Bowie recently. I'm just so glad that he's out on loan. Um, yeah. I know that he's getting used out on the wing, 
but to get him out on loan at that standard, which uh, the League One in England is going to be a really good standard for him to learn, um, and hopefully he can he can kick on and just have a, a really solid career. But yeah, just uh, very quickly on on Timmy Abraham. So <clears throat> you know we never saw him score, right? right. But that was the, the COVID season, obviously. Um, and because I was doing the social media, I was really fortunate I got to go to the games. So I'm in before the game, I'm watching them warm up and all the rest of it. So I'll watch Timmy Abraham doing shooting practice before games. Can I just say, I have never seen Timmy Abraham score. He was, honestly, he was rank rotten. It was actually embarrassing how bad he was. My favourite part of the whole time he came, though, was the interview with Davy Hancock. Aye. But Davy Hancock kind of implied that he was going to ask him about his brother and then asked him about uh, Kieran Bowie. Aye. It was the look on the boy's face of, oh, aye, yeah, aye, absolutely, yeah. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. This one party piece was, you know, he'd, he'd take the ball, he'd take a touch, he'd have slight contact, then he'd throw himself at the ground yeah. and then leap up raging at the referee for not getting a... That a was a derby at East End where we got beat 4-1. But we'll yeah, not go into that. We don't need that kind of vibe going into a derby next week, which will be our next episode. Uh, we'll be back later on this week. What a segue, by the way. I'm very proud of that one. Uh, yeah, we'll be back uh, Thursday evening, uh, likely, uh, with all the chatter and the run-up to the f- Saturday's huge Fife derby um, against Dunfermline. Very much looking forward to that. Should be a great atmosphere um, and everything to look forward to uh, going into that. So it's going to be a goodbye from me. And uh, I'll leave it up to yourselves to say goodbye as well. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you for listening. Goodbye, everyone. Thanks for listening.